I have been too tall, and I've been too short, and I have been too fat, and I have been too skinny. I have been too ethnic looking. I've been not ethnic enough. My hair's been too long. The list goes on and on and on. So, losing weight and, you know, cutting your hair, none of that's going to do anything. You need to be you. Hi, this is Mick Tully, and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. Mr. Atticus Todd, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on. It is my pleasure. Thank right. You for, it's an honor. Thank you for asking. Uh, trust me, it, the honor is all mine. So, we're going to start at the beginning. How'd you get into martial arts? I got into martial arts. So, I was a little brown kid who grew up in an all white agrarian society. I'm an American Indian. You, you may not even. You know what? This is this is what you're after. This is the price of admission. So, when I was coming up in our lifetimes, right? This is not 1800s. This was this was now, basically. Right. The U.S. government took said that a native woman could only have seven children, and so I was number ten. And so the government took the last three of us away and put us up for adoption. You're joking me. So I did not grow up on the res. I was taken away by the government and put up for adoption because an Indian woman was not allowed to have more than seven children. Shit. Yeah, I've seen documentaries on like the Discovery Channel and stuff where there was like sterilization of Native American women and stuff like that. But I, did, I had no idea. Man, man, what, year is it? what year is this? We're, we're talking 60s and 70s. We're not talking... You know, 1800s. This is this is the now, basically. The things that the U.S. government and I can go on and on about you know how evil the U.S. government is, but really, it's it's they're not they're not very unique in that. We're talking the difference between a tribal society and a civilization society. The U.S. government just happens to be one of the most recent civilizations of which we're familiar. So the concept of a of a, an, a genocide or a holocaust. People are familiar with, the, you know, the, uh, the, the the Jewish Holocaust. Yes. But there's been Holocausts all across the world for centuries and centuries. So to think of a Native American Holocaust is uh, seems to be beyond people's beliefs. Like, oh, the things that happened to the Native Americans. Like, yes, yes, they did, and they were horrible, and they were anything but the first. Right. This is this is something you you can go to Australia and it happened there. You can go to, uh, you know, um, New Zealand, and it happened. These are some of the most recent places I can think of where yes. you go and you go, wow. So civilization moved in to a place where there are already peoples living, and it just encroached and wiped out and crushed the existing culture and replaced it with its own, or did its very best. Well, you see, this this is the thing. It, it was only, yeah, I, I, I came late to the party on this. You know, because I started coming over when I was up 36 to, to America regularly. And I had no idea, you know, conservative estimates, 110, 120 million people in, uh, who are Native Americans. And then the other, you know, wiped out. And then stuff like, you know, infected blankets with smallpox and stuff, which now is, is proven. I, yeah, it, it just shocked me. It was, like it was I said, I don't, I don't, uh, 
I'm certainly not going to be the guy to, to step in and try to defend those kinds of actions. Mm. But those kinds of actions also don't, they're not very unique not. to a civilizationist encroachment. That's just, it's just part. You know, it, it, people are familiar with the concept of scalping. You're familiar with the yes. concept of scalping. The United States government invented scalping. People talk about, oh, remember how the natives used to, when they talked about, yeah, that was a response. The U.S. government paid bounty money to you if you brought them an Indian scalp. They paid money for it. That's how it began. Jesus. And what, so what tribe? What tribe um, are you from? My tribe, I'm, I'm a, I am Anishinaabe in the language, is how you would say it. More People are more familiar with uh, Ojibwa yeah. or Chippewa. So it's, it's uh, I tell this story all the time. In the language, it's Anishinaabe. Right? And the French came over and they're like, all right, so who are you guys? And we say, well, we're the Anishinaabe. The what? Anishinaabe. Ojibwa? Yeah, good enough. Then <laughs> right? the English showed up. And they go, all right, who are those guys? They're Ojibwa. The what? They're Ojibwa. Chippewa? Yeah, good enough. <laughs> right? But it's all the same people. It's all the same. It's just a different word for a different. So, so, yeah. Fast forward back, you know, fast forward. So I was put up for adoption. So I grew up to a, my, uh, my adopted mother was Norwegian and my adoptive father was uh, Belgian. And that lily, lily white people, right? So I, right. I stuck out like, I stuck out like a sore thumb. And so growing up, I, I got my, my rear end handed to me a lot. And then I grew and then I started turning that around and I, uh, I started handing it out a little bit. Right. And I realized one day that I had become the very thing that I hated, right? I always justified it and rationalized it, right? I would be looking for, oh, there's somebody picking on somebody. And I'd show up and say, yeah. that's my brother, or that's my friend, or that's, you know, what are you doing? And I'd involve myself. And so I would, I'd feel good about the fact, I'm just, I'm just bullying bullies. So I'm, yeah. not, I'm not bad, but, Being was, that, yeah. but I was still a bully. Yeah. And that's when I realized, I said, you know what, you got you to gotta change this. You got anger issues, you got problems. So I got into martial art, and the idea was that I would become so capable that I, wouldn't, I would never want to thump anybody, right? Yeah. If, you know, if a two-year-old comes up and kicks you in the shin, you're not going to just go right kick, right cross, drop them. No, it's a little, it's a two-year-old kid. Mm. Well, you might. I wouldn't. <laughs> right. So, so if I could think about everyone like that, I would never have to do that to anyone. It's like, no, I, you have no idea what you're stepping into. You're like a two-year-old. Yeah. And fortunately for you, it's me you've run into, and so I'm not going to hurt you. What's funny is that you, you'll never, you did, Rick Faye was one who pointed out to yeah, that is beautiful, and I like it. And you're going to realize you'll, you'll never actually get there. And yeah. And he was right. Yeah. But it's the striving, right? Yeah, so who did you start off with? With you joining? Uh, the very first art I ever got involved with, essentially, was freestyle wrestling. Right. right. Back on you go, that, I, I realized many years later, like, dude, you've been doing martial arts for a really long time. A really long time. Yeah. So freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, folk style wrestling. I did a, a bit of sambo, although I don't think I was really doing sambo. I was in a sambo competition, but I wasn't doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was just throwing it, slamming it. Meanwhile, <laughs> those guys who do it, it's like, 
Yeah, I can throw and slam in your competition. Um, so, yeah, to me, Sambo was just like, so slams are legal. Awesome. Like, yeah. cool. <laughs> it was just wrestling with legal slamming. That's what I, that's what I picked up. Then uh, in high school, I got involved in taekwondo. I, I moved out of college. I got involved in, uh, not, what was that one? Shotokan. And then it just, I just, I, probably about 10 years, I just kept going from art to art. I was trying to find, see, I was spoiled already. In, in wrestling, you, you get a guy, a coach, who teaches you a technique, and yeah. you step-by-step step it with your buddy, yeah. and you go through the technique. Then after you've both kind of gotten to the point, you start to understand it, now you begin to drill it. And you drill it with a cooperative opponent who lets you do it. And then you get slightly less cooperative, and so there's just enough resistance so that your, your technique has to be correct. And then you get to the point where, all right, now let's see if I can pull this off live with you not allowing me to do it. So if I do it, it is despite you, not because of your help. Yeah. This is how I'd learned to wrestle. So I found my life trying to find this in martial art. And it wasn't until I found Rick Fade that I finally find it again. I, I've, I know I can't stand forms and, and katas and, and all, almost everything I ran into that was how you learn. And it was so odd to me. But no, that's not how I learned. Yeah, what year was this? What year? Yeah. I have no idea. You're right. That's like that's close to math, Mick. You can't. <laughs> not my All right. You you mentioned how you got into acting, and when you you were, you were pretty pretty well known character around here, and you went off to LA. So what what got you into acting? I it was I've been a huge fan of film for as long as I can remember. Right, as long as as long as I, from the first time I saw a film, I was absolutely enthralled. But you know, I was a little farm kid, right? Well, the way I grew up, I, I lived right next to a, a square mile acreage. You see how I pointed? I was yeah. pointing at the acreage, though I'm on, I'm just, uh, there's no camera. No, no, no. But so, yeah, but you're, you're going to you, remind me there's no camera. There is no camera here. Okay, all right. Emote to the microphone. Yes. <laughs> so I, I spent most of my childhood out in this game preserve with my horse and my dog. So to a kid like that, the idea of being a film actor is that that's, that's not... I might as well say, well, you want to be president? You want to, you know, those things aren't real. <laughs> so I, I thought, you know, unless I am the son of a politician or an existing actor or some really rich guy, that ain't happening. Hmm. And then and then I'm at the Minnesota College Group, and a few of us are working out, and this woman comes in. She says, I'm looking for some big guys who can really move. At the time, I was about 400 pounds. So as a lark, I do a, I do a cartwheel. Carwell round off. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, <laughs> just like that. So she invites me to come audition, which I didn't realize what we were doing. And I auditioned and I ended up booking a McDonald's commercial. And that was the beginning of the end. When I saw myself on television, I was like, so, so a regular guy can do this. You don't have to be. You don't have to be special. I got into acting lessons Immediately I went, okay, where's the, where's the biggest school in Minneapolis that teaches acting? I found them. I got involved. I, I got involved in this acting competition, which took place in L.A. Uh, went to L.A., did really well, met a bunch of agents, and they said, we can, you got something, right? You have a, a uniqueness. I like looking at you. The camera likes looking at you. So we can work with you, but not, not in Minneapolis. 
We have to, you have to be able to be somewhere in LA within an hour of my phone call. And if you can't do that, we can't work with you. So, so I moved to LA. Right. I remember the first time we ever met, you told me about acting. You said it was 97% rejection, something along those lines. I was, I was being very kind. It's, well, yeah. it's 99% rejection. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I was trying to let you down easy. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, let me, and here's me trying to get into it. But you said that some roles, it, it, it's not the talent, it's just the look. And you said as a character, you, you know, if you, I'll get you to expand on that. The, so, so when I, when I, when I was, when I was, what I wanted you to pick up on was the idea that you can't change you to make somebody else happy. It won't happen. I have, myself, in my very limited experience, I have been too tall, and I've been too short, and I have been too fat, and I have been too skinny. I have been too ethnic looking. I've been not ethnic enough. My hair's been too long. I needed to cut my hair. The list goes on and on and on. So, I, I, if I, losing weight and you know cutting your hair, none of that's gonna do anything, right? All it's gonna mean is that just, so for one thing, maybe for the other thing, nothing was gonna change. So you got, you need to be you. And, and many times in the audition, by the time you get to a certain level, by the time you get to my level, when you go into that audition, they're for the most part, they're, 99% of the guys walking into that could do the job, right? We need you to be able to say at least these six lines. We need you to be convincing. We need to believe you, right? And Pretty much everybody I now compete with could do that. So again, I can step up and I can do that. So what are they looking for? Well, they're looking for somebody that they're not going to hate being around for two weeks. They're looking for somebody who can contribute to the whole thing rather than be some kind of prima donna or a distraction or a pain in the arse or whatever, whatever is going to make it less pleasant. They're going, can I spend two weeks with you and have it be a good experience? That's what they're usually looking for. Yeah. So that that being the thing you go in, I mean, it can really help you to recognize. All right, so so I might as well just relax. I might as well enjoy the process. Mm. I might as well try to make a connection with this person. Yeah. So I'm kind of giving away auditioning secrets here. Yeah, but, but no, I don't hear this right, so it's okay. If I no, just no, yeah, very okay. limited, very oh, very so, limited audience. Okay. Yeah. So if uh, when you go into an audition, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what what will be. I consider a really important secret. When you go into the audition, the longer you can keep them from making you actually do the work, the more success you're having. <laughs> I step into the room and I look at who's I look who's there. If I don't already know who's going to be there, I do a very fast assessment. All right, so what is that? Is that a director? Is that a producer? Is that a, is that a PA? What's, what's going on here? If you step in and there's just a camera and one casting person, you're basically screwed. Yeah. Okay, well, there's no one to even make a connection with here. Because that person, you look at them and you're the 700th person they've seen today and it's noon. And they're like, yeah, don't, don't talk to me. Yeah. Just get on your spot. And at that point, get on your spot. Yeah. Right? Take your mark. Just do it, right? Because this person can't wait to never see you again. But if there are people in there with whom you can connect, look around that room. They have, are they wearing any kind of a button? What are they wearing on their wrist? Are they wearing a certain kind of sunglasses? Is there a shirt that they've got on? Is this their office? If it is their office, what's sitting on their desk? And you see something and you can recognize it. And I'm looking at it and I go, I would take a look at that 
Yeah, that contraption you've got there, and I might ask you about it. So, so this this Tascan is that is that a really good brand, or is that something I'm almost guaranteed to get you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And I need to be genuinely interested. Yeah. Because if you're full of BS, they don't have to be any sharper than you, and they can tell I'm full of BS, right? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Know. You would know. If I'm asking about your shirt, right? Because you're wearing this Batman in the middle of a battle with a bad guy. Yeah. Right? I'd look at it and say, was that a real cover? It was a real cover. Because the 10 cents, that's a, that makes sense. But it wasn't a jujitsu. That's a nice, that's a switch, right? It's yeah. A, yeah, that's cool. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You make this connection with the person and you get them talking and you be genuinely interested. That's, that's another secret. Actually care. Yeah. If you're full of it, they'll know and then, you know, they're, yeah, it's a nice. Don't don't do yeah, that. Yeah. Don't do that. That's I don't want to. Don't bullshit me. But yeah. I'm genuinely interested. My favorite thing is like, wow. You know what? Um, you, you mind if we do the read? But yeah, yeah. No, it's totally. I'm. I've been waiting for you. Is the unspoken thing, right? right. That's what I'll. I'll not say. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. Come on, let's do that. <laughs> that is a successful addition. Yeah. So the. We're, you know, we've, we've put all these ingredients into a mixing bowl. You know where it's going to go. You, you, you do martial arts. You've gone to LA. Yeah. The end product of the cake has somewhere ended up in the Inno Santo Academy. So how did you get there? Rick Faye, to, uh, you know, to, to a lot of the people, but I'm not sure you have a fairly, fairly large martial, martial art audience. So yeah. Rick Faye has been one of a very, very select number of lifetime senior full instructors under Guru Nassano. That means he never has to re-up his instructorship. Mm-hmm. That is a little known fact, and it's a very, very small group. Like, I don't need two hands to keep track of how many guys have that credential. Yeah. So, Guru's absolute affection for Rick Faye, I have had the absolute joy of benefiting from. Mm-hmm. So I also am now an instructor under Guru Nassano. And if I had to leave Rick, which I have to tell you was very, very hard to do. Yeah. To go from Rick to Guru and Asanto made it quite a bit less painful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, well, uh, the, uh, one of the stories that I love is you took your tie test. One, uh, uh, was it your tie test where Rick, Rick gave you a celebratory kiss at the end of it? Yeah. <laughs> I've got to get you to share this because it is... Rick, t- Rick tells us on the road all the time, so don't worry. But I'd like, to hear, I'd like to hear it from the mouth that did the kissing. All right. So so the background to this circumstance is when I, when I went to Rick, I, I was, uh, I'd been training five or six years but at the Minnesota Collie Group. And I'd, you know, I'd, been, I'd been trained hard. I'd gotten pretty darn regular. I, I, uh, I wasn't entirely untalented. And I, and I thought, I, you know what? I am a good teacher, and it's such a great fit. I'd like to become a martial art instructor. Right. So I, I asked Rick, I said, I would, I would like permission to start training for the tie test. And he said, he, he just got this look across his face. And he says, no, I, I, no, you can't. You can't do that. He says, I can't. I can't. I can't take the chance. He goes, you're over 400 pounds. If you take the wrong shot in the wrong spot, you could have a life debilitating injury. And I would feel so responsible for that. I can't let you step into this and get hurt. 
and you could get hurt so bad. I can't, I can't in good conscience say that would be okay. I don't want to, I don't want to see you hurt. Mm. For your, uh, for love of you and for your protection, I have to say no. Well, I, you know, I love and respected Rick and, I, and his opinion was very important to me. So I, you know, I took that. I said, okay. And I, I finished training that day. And I came back the next day just to come to class. I, you know, all right, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to come back to class. And I didn't even get in the gym. And he sees me. Oh, get, get over here. Get over here. Right down. Get over here. And he pulls me into his office. And he's like, okay. I couldn't sleep last night at all. I, I couldn't stop thinking about you. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you train for the test. It's in April. It's in nine months. Mm. So I'm going to let you train for that test. With this understanding, this caveat, if, if as you're walking out onto the floor to take your test, I say, no, I change my mind, you can't take the test, you have to abide by that. You have to allow me to stop it, no matter how close it's gotten. Yeah. And if you can live with that, then go ahead and train for the test. And I said, I can live with that. So, for the next nine months, I trained for about eight hours a day. In nine months, I took off a hundred pounds. Right. And Rick watched this transformation I went through preparing for this event. And when all was said and done, we were all so happy that yes, Rick leapt across the floor about 10 feet into my arms and gave me a big, great, big smooch. <laughs> and most people don't know what the, what the background of that was. Yeah. Because Rick said, Rick originally said no. Yeah. So when I'm standing there, you know, his baby boy just passed that test. <laughs> it was a pretty big deal for us. Yeah. But I'm just going to go on to the acting now because if you can just say some of the stuff that you've been in. Because I've actually, I've referenced you a lot of times when I'm on the road. And I always, ha I always have to pull out Jason Statham out of the back. But I, even I don't know half of the stuff that you've done or what you've auditioned <laughs> for. So this is, this is, this is where it's, it's cool for me. Because as I said before, the great thing about doing this is I get to ask questions that normally you, you can't ask if you're polite. You know, <laughs> I, my our dear friend John Bivet is here in the corner and he, he, it's like he said, there's certain stuff that he'd like to find out about guys, but he doesn't want to be that guy. Sorry, John, for saying that, but it's the truth. But it's like, you, you know, you want to ask, but you don't want to look nosy. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm nosy. You're going you're to ask about my bank account? No, no, nothing about that. I know you actors are all rich, so. Okay. Yeah. You don't even know how I'm going to vote. So. No, not yet. Uh, you said Jason Statham. Yes, I, I did get to work with Jason Statham. I was in Crank 2. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, an Academy Award winning film. It was a uh, dramedy. But no, it was. <laughs> yeah. It was just a, a rocking, rolling good time. And uh, Jason is a, uh, he's a prince. He's a, he really enjoyed. It was fun just sitting back and, and having, a, you know, some long conversations with him. I had a, it was wonderful to be able to say to him how much I enjoyed Snatch, which is a film he made. Yes. And if you could have just seen it go across his face, how, you know, he put his hand on my shoulder and he just got reminiscing. He goes, yeah, that was good writing. He goes, you got, because you, 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 and he looks me in the eye and he goes, you just, you can't wait for the next time you run into that quality of writing. Really? Right. And if you look at a lot of the stuff Jason's done, right, people love his action. 
then if you you know if you, if you say well this is what you do for a living we'd really like you to be in our action film and we're going to pay you x amount of money to do it so can he wait around and sit around for the next snatch well no. I don't know how smart would that be so so he does these films where you know he does a good job and he has fun but but jason wants the next snatch to come along right unlike other men no, that was terrible. <laughs> right. Uh, who else? <laughs> That's good. So, who else have you worked with that's impressed you? That's impressed me. I did this little film called Finding Amanda with Matthew Broderick. Right. Ferris and, Bueller. Uh, Ferris Bueller. Right? Wow. And I, it was it was interesting. I, I, I have the distinction of I beat up Matthew Broderick one day. Not, not for real. But, yeah. You know, I beat him up and slammed him into it. You know, so so Matthew impressed me because he, in order to get the the shot, because I had to, you know, I hit him a couple of times and I threw him into a dumpster. Bam! Right. And uh, in order to get the shot properly, we were looking at the, you know, at the at the monitor and they said, you know, you can tell that's not me. That's not working. And we need that angle. So he said, all right, so show me how to do it. So he did his own stunt. I slammed Matthew Broderick into a dumpster. Wow. Which, you know, it took time. We had to break it down because if it's not going to be a stunt guy, we can't hurt multi-million dollar Matthew Broderick. Yeah. So I, I brought because he wasn't, a, he was already not a young man, right? He wasn't 20 anymore. That was a, a long time ago. A, yeah, this was a very established fellow. So, but he was, well, we got to get the camera angle. So I'll, Let's have me do it. I'm going to take the shot. I'm going to take the bump. And, you know, later, you know, he's a great big star. And, you know, he's got a... He sits down with us little schmoes, you know. like I just have a few lines in his movie. And he sits down and has dinner with us. Wow. You know, because normally you see that the producers and the director and the stars, they're all fucking at their own little own table. Yeah. And Matthew's like, no, no, I'm just, I don't want to, you guys mind if I sit with you? Uh no, no, that would be fine. Wow. And it was cool. Everyone sat around and talked about their kids. He, he could not stop talking about it, his own kids. It was awesome. But that's such a cool story because I, I loved him in War Games. I, I loved him in War Games. I loved him in Ferris Bueller, you know, who didn't. But, you know, he's the darling of Broadway, you know, the producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the, minute, the minute he jumps back onto the, onto the cast of the producers, sales tickets go up by 30%, you know. And he's just and here he is, just a really down to earth guy. He says, "Okay, well, I'm gonna do my own stunt," and he just is completely comfortable having lunch with a bunch of guys who, you know, grunt level guys. That is awesome. Who would you like to work with? I know that's a bit, a bit of an open that, question. That is gargantuan. Who would I like to work with? I don't know that there's any specific person who I'm just like, oh my God, unless I get to work with him, my life will end. There's lots of people I would just love to meet. There's productions I would like to be. I would like to get into the Star Wars universe, right? I would love that. I'd like to get into the Star Trek universe. And it wouldn't have to be anything, uh, you know, I'd like to get into the the, uh, uh, Game of Thrones universe, right? And they could be, these could be one line characters. I wouldn't care. If I'm in the universe, it would be cool. Yeah, but you look look good in any one of those, wouldn't you? I'm, I'm, I'm in the Marvel universe. I was on... Really? Yeah, I was on... I did a, uh, an episode of uh, Agent Carter. Really? So, yeah, yeah. I love that show. Agent yeah, Carter. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I, ha- I have a named character in the Marvel Universe now. Wow. Yeah, good times. Good that, times. That, is, that is crazy. If it, I'm, I am now going to 
this is where we can narrow it down and I can put you on the spot. If there was one character in the Star Wars universe, which one would it be? An existing one? Yeah, yeah, an existing one. You know, I suppose I'm probably just a little too arrogant to want to go run around with no ma- with a mask on. So, typically, I, I have historically been, you know, uh, size-niched. Yeah. So people look at me and go, all right, well, it's going to have to be either Darth Vader or Chewbacca. That's, that's, yeah. what, that's, what, you, that's what you're fit for. Um, I, I, know, I know exactly who I'd say. Qui-Gon Jinn. Wow. Now, I'll take that as the highest honor. Qui-Gon's probably my favorite character. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. Well, Liam Neeson's one of my favorite actors, but the way he played that. But Liam Neeson, when he was in Batman, when he played Ra's al Ghul as well, he, he, yeah, well, that Prince, uh, Priest Valon, I, I, don't think, I don't think he's been in anything. Liam Neeson's not been in anything that I didn't like. You know, I would be all. delighted one day to get to work with him. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, really, I really like his work. I, he's a... He's a Sir Anthony Hopkins talked about it when he was talking about acting. He says his journey as he's gone over. He goes, you know, now, now when I'm acting, I do absolutely nothing. Nothing. I do nothing. What he was referring to, I had an acting teacher who taught what he what he labeled or copyrighted as experiential acting, experiential performing. So this is very, very method, you know, and where you're from, this is a little bit of a, oh yes, you're one of those method guys, mm, I see. <laughs> but the, the, the concept of, of this, of experiential acting, the, the method is, is you're not doing anything, you're just being, right. right? I'm just being. So I don't have to show you I'm happy if I'm actually happy. Mm. So the, 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 the method is... I need to use whatever method I've been taught or whatever I have available or what, you know, what kind of impetus can I, can I genuinely experience so that I am actually happy. Yeah. So without trying to act happy, then I just say my lines and it'll be happy. I'm just being. And that's what Anthony was talking about. He goes, I don't, I don't have to, I don't do anything anymore. Yeah. I just be. So if he has to be angry or happy or inquisitive or you know irritated or whichever one of those things he just he now has he's so facile in his instrument that he can just be it so he says I, I do nothing now and that that is Liam Liam you watch him I have I have the simplest test to determine the quality of somebody's performance one easy question do I believe him yeah so there's all the other things you can go through, you know, what, how accurate was it, you know, what kind of research did he do, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Do I believe him? Do I believe him or do I think that he's acting? Do I think that he's trying to convince me of something? Or do I just believe what he's saying? And if I do believe him, they're doing a good job. Another one of my favorite actors is Daniel Day-Lewis. And I know he throws himself hook, line and sinker in, you know, he... he yeah, he he said to Liam Neeson. Well, he never referred to Liam Neeson by. He called him priest all the way through, and, and never broke character. I think that's a pretty heavy thing to have to wear, depending on what you're playing. Yeah, if you're playing a guy that's got a sunny outlook on life, that's great. But you don't want to start descending into the depths of madness for a role, you know, unless you're prepared to be able to get yourself back out of it, you know. 
if there was one role that you could have played, what would it be? In about so that question won't work very well for me, and but I can I can explain why, and I think my answer might be okay for you. I I don't I have never liked to get so attached or locked down on one thing that I don't have options. Right, even when I was wrestling, I didn't just do freestyle wrestling. Right away, I was doing freestyle and Greco and folk style, and I was learning all of them and competing in these different kinds of tournaments way back then. Mm. Right, I studied at the Inosano Academy, and any given day, I'm probably studying at least four different arts, if not more. Mm. When I when I was going through high school and college, I I wasn't just hanging out with the drama group or just hanging out with the wrestlers. Right, I had so many different groups that I would there was a uh, you know, there was a computer group. I hung out with the wrestlers. There was a... And the, the list goes on and on because I, I, I like to stay light on my feet. I like to make sure my eyes are open. I want to make sure that I don't miss anything, right? I, I've, I've spent so many years not liking the concept of having to go to bed. Because really? now I... Well, I'm gonna, what am I going to miss? <laughs> I might miss something. I don't want to miss something. Yeah. Now the problem with that is that I also don't like to get up. It's like so I don't want to go to bed, <laughs> but I went so long not going to bed. Now I don't want to get up. Yeah. So so when you ask me, is there just one single role? You're like, right, with complete honesty, I no, there's not one single. Is there lots of stuff that you know I've either had opportunity for or I'm looking forward to in the future or, yeah, yeah. But I I I um. Uh, I have had the absolute joy of playing a Samoan thug, leader of the Sons of Samoa, right? Just yes. brutal, frightening, brooding guy. Yeah. Right? So I sat there, you know, opposite a skeet Ulrich across a, a steel table and I was chained to it. And I had a bunch of people call me up because when the, when the, you know, the director, he was, uh, I really, really enjoyed his method, right? He's like, we trust you. You are paid for this. Here's the background. So I just want to, I'm not even going to tell you, I just want you to, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Here's where you're coming from. It wasn't you. These are cops. Once again, cops screwed it up. And if you bollocks this up, you can end up going down for it. So there's where you're at. So my my choice was I I was... I said, I'm, I'm not giving them anything. Nothing. And I went for very, very still. I'm not the one who's going to break here. I'm not the one that's going to flinch. And when there was two of them, if I talked to the other one, all I did is move my eyes. Nothing else. Hmm. And when the scene was done, Skeet was like, thank God you were chained to that table. You scared the <laughs> shit out of me. Wow. Right? And that's and that's that was a magnificent opportunity the director just gave me that he goes, just just I want you to do it. You know, if we need to tweak it, we'll tweak it. But afterwards he goes, That was horrible. <laughs> and then and the thing was it was all Didn't incredible. you see the didn't you see the colour drawing from my face when you were doing it to me? I, I was gonna laugh and I was like, Fuck can't laugh now, this guy's not chained to this table. Yeah, that's don't, what killed me. Right, don't. No. So so and I went from that to you know I I played I played uh, a main character's nurse, as in a in a, a hospice she's dying, 
Wow. So so I went from that guy to that, a guy playing the the main the lead character. It was it was in a big love, and the the main character's mom was dying in the hospital. Jeez. And my job was I was her nurse. That's what I did for her. That's a range, man. So so that I consider that an absolute blessing. I said, is there something I'd want to be locked down to? That's me. No, mm. no, I wouldn't want to be locked to anything. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, no. well, we we we're gonna wrap up in a minute, but. First time we ever met, it was you, myself, the wonderful Chris Harley, who's actually in the room with us being quiet, which is like a, a real first for you, Chris. A real first. And you did, you dropped some Shakespeare. We can't remember because we talked about it. <laughs> uh, but dude, I'm t- it brought a tear to my eye when you did it. And it was like literally that was one of the reasons why I thought, you know, I'll give it a go. And it wasn't because if he can do it, I can do it. I was just like, Phew. That was something else, man. So literally anything you would like to say. And if you don't do it, then I'll just edit it. But man, come on. This is, <laughs> hey, you know, at the time I was, I was working on it. So yeah. I had it. Yeah. But I haven't, I, I don't, I don't have anything right now, Mick. I'm so sorry. You've got to have something. Sing happy birthday in some menacing voice. <laughs> You're an actor. You can do this. I'll tell you something. We'll have to get on the spoken, we'll have to get you on the spoken word tour on that one. But that was, trust me, guys. It was, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, and yeah. you give me the tiniest amount to prepare. You know, next time, next time we run into each other, if I well, do you know what? Next time we'll do it on camera. We're going to go to LA. Thanks a lot for your time, man. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening today. We have a brand new show every Friday. You can listen to all our interviews on mixedmartialarts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is a pay your headphones production. Wow.